Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm excited. I'm very excited. I love anybody who's a successful entrepreneur. I'm always interested in what they have to say. Well, our guest this week, like you just mentioned, is an entrepreneur, Rhett Power. He's the author of The Entrepreneur's Book of Actions, and it is basically a book that helps you define daily actions and habits that will uh, move, move you towards a goal. But he also gives us a lot of tools in this interview for how to figure out what your purpose and goal is. Because what I've, what I've learned from talking to a lot of these entrepreneurs and these thinkers in the podcast is that if you don't have a good mission statement for yourself, if you don't have a good sense of purpose, you will not be able to achieve your goals. And he talks us through the importance of that, how to get through that, uh, how, to, how to develop that personal mission statement, but also how to use that to frame, to frame your whole life, how to shape your life like a business, talking about some of the pitfalls that he has, changing your thinking. So I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear this interview. Yeah, me too. And you know, uh, it's funny because I, well, I read these books all the time, right? I've been, you know, like for, since before you were born, I was reading these. these uh, I, I read, my, my first self-help book was a, a biography of Houdini. Oh, wow. When I was in high school, it was fascinating. You know, what people don't realize about magic, and we'll talk about some other stuff in a minute here, but what people don't realize about magic is beyond the sleight of hand and everything, when you're at that level, at that yeah. Houdini, yeah. David Blaine, David Copperfield, I mean, yeah. obviously Houdini's, yeah. Houdini's the goat, but you, when you get to that level, it's really about discipline. It's about self-discipline yep. Yep. And, and your ability to, make, like, to, to use discipline to trick people. So you walk around with you know, a limp so that everybody thinks you have a limp 900%, like 90% of the time so that all of a sudden when you're able to walk without one, it looks like a magic trick. That's, <laughs> but that's what magic that's is. It's, it's that's that really deception good. thing. Yeah. Uh, before we do some pieces and before we get to this interview, we've got a big project we've been working on. Now, you've been writing your book. Right. And we've, been, we've developed a live show that, that emulates or it looks a lot like what the bullet points of the book are. Yeah. And we are literally in the process. I mean, you're on the phone you know, 90% of the day. Yeah, we just got off the phone uh, with the president of uh, Colorado Public Television. And uh, we're just saying, hey, we're going to be taping this show April 25th at Karis Bible College in Woodland Park, which is just outside of Colorado Springs. You know, would you like to come? And of course, she back in 1994, she was right there at Red Rocks when mm-hmm. we taped our, our first yeah. special. But you and I, we have, we've been working on this for a couple of years now. And, this and, version yeah, of the live show. Yeah, and, and it's really, it's not like 9, 10, 12 songs and then uh, kaboom, we're at the Taj Mahal or at Red Rocks or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Right, yeah, yeah. This, this is really, uh, it, we, it's called Songs and Stories from the Grand Piano and it really is that. It's sort it's, it's stories about about my life, stories of the things I've been through with other people, stories about beating uh, cancer with all kinds of uh, different methods and finding the one method that did work. Uh, and uh, it's it, it becomes a show. And, and the, one of the big parts of the show, too, is is a big giant screen behind us mm-hmm. that illustrates, you know, it's, it's video from... From uh, from the first Red Rocks, you know, video of me being uh, homeless in a in a park in college, and and so w- what I love about it is that we now know we've tested it right, and and people who who come to the show, we meet them in the lobby, and yep. they tell us, oh, I like this, I like yeah. this. It's, it's almost like well, on a much smaller scale, like what Chris Rock and those guys do, where they go out before they tape a special, they go out and they do the small they, they count. Do the we've clubs, been, we've yeah. been playing clubs with four hundred people, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the show is really good. The show also, like John mentioned, I've talked, I've literally gone out and talked to people after the show. To right, you've done the testimonials. People, yeah. people walk out of the show crying. People walk out of the show moved, and they walk out of the show moved because it's a very moving. It's not just music, like John said. So we are going to be recording this for a PBS special. Uh, if you would like to be in the audience to be so moved, it's going to be in 
Uh, where, where in Colorado is it technically? Yeah, it's Woodland Park. Woodland Park, which is yeah. outside of Colorado Springs, Uh-huh, right? just a few miles outside of Colorado Springs, and it's a Karis Bible College. And how do you sign up to be in the audience? You go to teshmusic.com. Okay. And you, the tickets are free, but you have to register, okay. right? And we've already, like, uh, there's only 3,000 seats available, and in three days, we've had registers for 1,138, I just got to think. So, yeah, so get on it, because yeah. uh, we'd love to see you there. So if you know somebody that lives in the, in the Woodland Park or Colorado Springs area that would like to see this show live and get to be a part of something that I think is really, really moving, uh, you can, we'll put a link to where you can sign up or what you can share with people in the show notes that, that you can easily just click that and sign up to come see the live PBS special being taped. Again, once again, totally free. But first, before we get to the interview... You have some stuff you want. Yeah, to before we get to Rhett Power uh, and uh, Gibbs interview with with uh, with Rhett and the Entrepreneur's Book of Actions, um, the uh, you know speaking of entrepreneurs, uh, Marie Kondo. Oh yeah, man. She found a niche. She found an entrepreneurial niche, and it is tidying up. And mm-hmm. so her her show on Netflix is is massive, and then she also has a book that's right there in the top three uh, at Amazon. And uh, but what's happened is you know when it, when when there's a movement like this, an anti clutter movement. Um, somebody, somebody ends up being affected adversely and these poor thrift stores, they, uh, Hey, listen, they've been, it's been a great place for them for years, right? Raising money for, for, uh, cancer treatment, all kinds of things locally. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they're getting mass quantities of dirty, worn out clothing, yeah. ugly trinkets, broken appliances. The wall street journal says the quote, the global tidying frenzy is overwhelming donation centers with things nobody wants. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, case in point. One uh, one Goodwill store in Texas had an entire 55-gallon trash can filled with swords, daggers, rifles, and crossbows. I, well, that's, I mean, I they, think people want those. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I I'm want to interested meet, in the crossbow. I want, I'm interested in the guys that donated that, by the way. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, I, I think that that's a big consequence of this is that we're we have all this stuff that we don't want. Make sure when you're going through it before you put it in the before you give it to somebody else, make sure that's something that somebody would want. Right. And then and from there, you can either throw it away or give it to someone that would want it. Right. But this is yeah, but this is the uh, this is the like you said, the downside of this movement. The other thing that we everybody has to remember, and we've t- I've talked to a couple of minimalists on the podcast. We talked to Cal right. Newport, who's a right. digital minim- yep, yep. minimalist, Joshua Becker. And you can go back and, and w- listen to both of those episodes if you want. But one of the flip sides of minimalism that you have to embrace once you start getting rid of the stuff that you don't want anymore is you have to stop buying new stuff that right. you're not going to want yeah, anymore. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. that's the big deal. We have to cut down the consumerism while we while we move towards minimalism. It's not just being more fluid in the in the stuff that comes to your house. Right. You got to really you right. got to make that choice. And we we've, we've had the tip on the on the radio show before uh, from a couple of different people where when you decide that you're going to make this change when you're going to start decluttering and decide what's important to you uh, is do it in 10 minute bursts. Yeah. Don't, don't look at it. Do that. I mean, just what, what's his, what was it? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Said you don't have to, you don't have to see the whole ter- staircase. Just take the first step. Yeah. Yeah. Give <laughs> yeah. yourself a, 10 minutes a yeah. day. Go with the smallest room in your house. Go with the linen closet and just clean right. out the linen closet yeah. and give it yeah. 10 yeah. minutes and you'll be able to do it. Hey, let's do one more before we get to your, your, your interview. I don't want to delay this, but, uh, there's that this would have busted me so badly. So college students are, the ditching class thing is is probably going to be uh, go the way of the dodo bird. There's a new app uh, that many schools are using called Class 120. It tracks a student oh. through their it tracks a student through their smartphone's GPS, alerts parents if their kid isn't where they're supposed to be. And at the University of Missouri and many other schools, researchers created an attendance tracker app it's supposed to go nationwide. It uses facial recognition software to take attendance. So the professor will take his smartphone camera 
wave it across the classroom, and the app logs which students are present and which ones are not. I mean, look, I, I get why this is So good. why is this so important? Well, I mean, we, I, I, it's, it's sort a, of, yeah. There's a correlation between showing up and, and doing well. Like, you know, uh, I, there was an old thing. It's just if you go to class every day and you do all of your homework uh, for your college class, you, you can expect at least, at least a B minus. Right. Uh, and, and if you're going to, college is expensive. So if you're going to do it, that's just, that's just the bare minimum. If you just do the work, I'm not talking about turning in an A paper. I'm not talking about proving your academic prowess. If you just show up, that's a B minus. And by the way, great life skill in general. The art of showing up is something that's really important. Right. But right. Uh, what's happening is, you know, people are like, ah, I don't need to go. That's a giant lecture hall. I don't need to go to it. And, and, and people drop off. And the colleges don't like that. It doesn't look good on their bottom line when, 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 they're, when at the beginning of it, you're shelling out so many thousands of dollars to go. And they're like, how many people end up graduating? Because, again, the worst thing you can do is go into debt to go to college and not graduate. The, you, know, you can take on all the student le- don't loan debt you want. And oh, you graduate. Man, I never even thought about the that. The worst thing you can do is go for two years and drop out with this with the debt of two years or three years of college and not have a degree at the end of it. So that's like the worst thing you can do. And this is helping to combat against that. If you're going to go to college, go to college. And I'm saying this is the pot calling the kettle black. I would I skipped a class that had two students in it. It was a math it was a math um, yeah, I, yeah, lecture that I, think, I, would, I think we got the phone call. Yeah. 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 So one third the class was gone when yeah, you were gone. Yeah. So I I'm saying is I I think you you I think it's good that colleges are going to start doing this especially those big large lecture hall college, uh, classes where people think that they can get away with not going. So you seem really smart with this. So if, if I wanted to raise my kids uh, SAT score by 400 points, how much money would that cost me? Oh, well, if you, you, <laughs> you want to look at the at Jeez, the uh, at the new thing. I'm by the way, I'm wearing my prep school sweatshirt right now. Oh. One of the schools involved in the indictments that you're talking oh, about. Oh, is that right? Well, they got they they have they're subpoenaed. Oh, I don't think they're man. indicted. This it, this nobody wins on this thing. It's no. terrible. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to shake this up. All off. right. So here's so, Red set, Power. Set this up for us. <laughs> it's a red power. I brought it up. I'm sorry. Talking about uh, the entrepreneur lifestyle, but how to really treat your whole life like an entrepreneur. So uh, he also does life coaching. So uh, this is very inspiring for me, sir. Here we go. Red Power. Red Power, thank you so much for joining us today on Intelligence for Your Life. We really appreciate it. Gib, it is great to be on the show with you today. Okay. So you have done a whole bunch of things. You've you've started businesses. You've sold businesses. Uh, you've written a book about... How to be a better uh, How to be a better entrepreneur? The Entrepreneur's Book of Actions with uh, daily exercises and habits. You also you also do a coaching business, um, basically sharing the knowledge that you've gained. So I guess I guess where I want to start with your crazy resume is uh, how did you learn the stuff that you put in the book? Well, I, I first have to tell you that you probably don't know this, and I don't tout it on my on my resume. But you know, I started out in radio. Is that right? I've, my first job at a, in college, and actually in college and out of college, was a rock station in Columbia, South Carolina. Stop. And I was, I was so bad that uh, I was on the midnight sh- – I got the midnight shift. Right? That was my the, first the 12, shift ever. The 12 to 7. And I yep. never progressed past that 12 to 7 uh, sh- slot. So uh, I had, I'm glad I'm on the radio with you today, but – you know, you've you've gotten a lot further than I ever did in commercial radio. <laughs> that's that's not very true, but I but I I do uh, the 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 overnight third shift in radio. It's not really the third shift; it's like the fifth shift. But regardless, they call it the third. Is uh, is not for the weary. It is it, the calls you get. Every, all of that stuff is pretty incredible. I used to do overnights on my college radio station, and I 
Uh, I would get some weird phone calls. And one of the pranks that I played, and we'll actually talk about your stuff in a second, not just radio, was I gave out the station manager's phone number uh, overnight as the station's phone number for requests. So he was getting woken up in his dorm room all night long uh, <laughs> with people while I was on the air, and I would make up requests. It was, um, it was a good time. Almost got me kicked off the station, but uh, there you go. Well, I did get fired. I, did, I think I got fired because I asked somebody to bring me pizza, and I had like five people show up. Drunk, drunk college people with you know pizzas. That sounds at the like a session at three o'clock in the morning. Why not? They appreciate. They did not like that so much. Oh man, I see it now. That is entrepreneurial spirit, which is what we're here to talk about today. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you you learned some lessons about uh, entrepreneurship. So why don't we start with with how you learned them and why you think the world needed to hear about them? Well, uh, you know the the it takes a lot of courage to start a business. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of um, belief in yourself to, to sort of make that leap, whatever you're doing to quit that job and, and, and start that, that, that business that, that you've been thinking about or dreaming about. And, and having gone through that process the first time and then several times since then, I, I felt like it was time for me to sort of write all this stuff down that I kind of learned mm. and most of it the hard way because I'm number two things. I have the hardest head in the world. Number two, uh, I, I've got the worst case of ADD in the world. So, um, I'm the kind Which of is something has, I hear a lot in entrepreneurs. Is yeah, that, you know, I, yeah, it is. Go they, ahead. They, no, they couldn't handle working for somebody else. So they decided to create their own business because they just couldn't conform to whatever standards other people had. I was a terrible employee. I was a terrible employee. I was. And uh, so, and I was probably a, a really hard kid to raise too, because I was the kind of kid that had to like put your hand on the burner to see if it was really oh, hot. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, one of, I was one of those. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, so it was time for me to write this book. It was time for me to sort of share some of the things I learned the hard way in hopes that, you know, somebody, could read that and learn somebody that's a little smarter than I am or maybe has a little more common sense could read that and say, yeah, you know, that's a pretty good idea. That's a pretty good thing to try to, to do to avoid that mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's why we, why I wrote the book and, and, and it's why I actually write today. I, I write a weekly column for Inc and I write a, a weekly column for Forbes. And that's really what I share on a week to week basis is the things that I'm learning from clients and mm -hmm. things I've learned for myself things that are going on in my business really at that moment. But, but was there like an event, like a, a, was there like a single moment where you're like, you know what, if other people knew this, uh, the, the world of business would be a better place. Like, was there just this one thing or was it, was it an accumulation? I think it was an accumulation. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't one aha, aha moment. Uh, I think it was just an accumulation and it was a, for me, it was also kind of cathartic to sit down and put all these things on paper, right? And to to actually formalize it and think about it. And I'll tell you a story. You know, one of the things that was sort of a one of our light bulb moments in the business was about three years in, and and I mean, I was sleeping in my van. Mm. We were we were broke as we could be. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to survive, and. We ended up going up to our last, our very last event that we were able to go to, which was Toy Fair in New York, and I think it was 2009. Mm -hmm. 
And one of our vendors, one of our only vendors at the time said, hey, you know, you really got to go up there. You've got to go up and, and go to this show. And I, said, I said, well, we can't afford it. We've, we've got like $3,000 in the bank. Mm. I can't even afford a booth. I'm going to have to sleep in my car when we go up to New York. And she said, you've got to come. And, you know, we went from a, a, a almost going out of business. We, we, we pulled everything we had and we, we went to that show. And we went from that almost being broke and living in our van, sleeping in our van on, on sales runs to a $9 million business uh, in, in a matter of a weekend at the New York Toy Show. Wow. And, you know, if we hadn't done that, I wouldn't be on the radio with you today. Yeah. But, um, but you know, it was that, that moment we realized that things were going to change. And, and, and that moment changed us because we had to rethink everything. We had to stop. You know, we had been busy for, for the first two years of that business doing everything, packing the boxes, making the product, delivering the product. Right. And we never sat down and thought about what we were doing. The key word, we never sat down and thought about what we were doing. We were just always doing. Right. And and that was our that was a real aha moment to step back and and analyze. And that changed the way we operated on a day-to-day basis for the rest of my entrepreneurial career. I do things a lot differently because of that moment. Because of that moment in time, it wasn't just one month, but it was a, a couple of months where we had to stop, just completely stop and figure out how we were gonna deliver on what we had accepted what we had, the business that we wrote from that show. And we had to change the way we managed our time. We had to change the way we managed our finances. We had to change the way we managed our relationships and our business. We had to change the way uh, we did everything. So we had to stop and think, and we had to stop working in the business and start working on the business, which is a cliche, I know. But that, yeah, I mean, really, strange. what does that even mean? <laughs> how, do you, how do you make that change? Uh, it, 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 we had to go from you know, four employees to 60 almost overnight. Wow. And so we had to reform the way we thought about hiring. We had to take a chance on hiring. Mm. We had to think about credit and we had to think about our, our vendor relationships mm. and our relationships with FedEx and our shipping. And we had to, we had to change everything. And it required us to, and, and we'll talk probably a little bit about this, but we had to change the way we managed ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because then we had to become more strategic. We had to think about things every day. We had to make bigger decisions, and so we had to uh, we had to uh, really, really think about the whole way we did and and conceive the business. Um, and so, uh, I don't know if that answers. That's a long way of answering your question, but it, yeah, it was well, well, I, it actually brings up another question or another point. You see, the whole purpose of your book, the whole like, the whole. The, the subtitle is Daily Exercises, Daily Habits, right? And right. how small changes every day add up to big changes uh, over time. But you're talking about an epiphany you had over one weekend. I mean, what, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll back, I'll back into this. What was the core change that made you, was it just a great sales weekend? Was that, was that the bottom line? And then, and then you had to, and then you were forced to make new daily habits and those are the lessons you learned. Like, how did that, why did daily habits matter if you had such a cathartic weekend? Well, because we realized that what we were doing, we got lucky in that weekend, right? Mm-hmm. We got really lucky in that weekend. We had a big national retailer come in, and we had a bunch of small stores come in. Uh, and the way we had been doing things, we just couldn't do anymore. We didn't have the credit 
to 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 do all the purchase orders to fulfill all the purchase orders. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a mechanism to ship any of those orders. We didn't even have a standard size package to to send. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know what that looked like. Um, so we just had to we had to transform everything, and, and we had to go back to our business plan and start over completely. And we had three months to do it. We had to. We had to scale the business in three months. We had, you know, we went from maybe 20 or 30 stores carrying the product to over 3,000. Wow. You know, and so wow. we had to figure out how to ship it. We had to figure out how to scale it to make more. We had to go to our vendors and ask for credit um, and beg them to give us the credit to get through that that period of time mm-hmm. because the banks, the banks wouldn't touch us. And, and I guess what I was saying, you know, in terms of habits, and, and this is just in general, and not just about us, but you know, habits are hard to change, and 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 the, and the habits sure. that we have, everybody's got bad habits, and everybody's got things that they want to work on, and the and the book is about working on habits. You know, we always think, well, let's make massive, big change, and I always use the the New Year's New Year's resolutions as an mm-hmm. example, right? You decide you're going to go to the gym, right? Right. Everybody does this, right? Gym memberships skyrocket. Yeah. In, in January. Right. I hate going to the gym in January because it's always so crowded. It, it is awful. And you get there and and you start and like three or four weeks in, you haven't seen the results. You're, you know, it's, you're not seeing what you want. You, you've, you've sort of tried to tackle this ambitious plan. And all of a sudden you're back to eating donuts and <laughs> drinking Dunkin' Donut coffee and, right. and, and, you know, and not going and doing your hours worth of workout. Mm-hmm you know, several days a week. It's the first thing that kind of falls off, right? Well, the reason that is because we're trying to bite off way more than we should and we should start with small. And I, and I think starting off with things and trying to change things and, and, and doing it in small chunks is the best way to do it. At least for me, that's how it works. Right. When I can see some tangible results, when I can see something happening that's, that's positive, I want to do more of that. It reinforces that, that behavior. And so that's, that's all this book really is. It's it's about taking 20 minutes out of your day to work on something that you really want to work on, that you really want to change and figuring out how to do it and, and working on it and, and sort of bringing that into your consciousness, consciousness and ingrain that behavior every day, uh, in a, in a small way. And you just build on it, right? right? You build on it day by day by day, week by week, until it becomes a habit. And we know that that takes a long time for it that does. To, yeah. to happen. Um, and so I think when, when you can do it and you see positive things happening, instead of not seeing any results after three or four work, you know, weeks worth of work in mm-hmm. the gym, um, then, uh, but I, th- I think if you do it that way, that's for me, that's how I can make change in my life and, 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 and create habits that are, that are positive. So did you learn that the hard way when you made that big switch overnight with the with the toy company? I mean, was that is that why you you realize I instead of these big changes, it's probably better to break this down into increments or or how did that how did that toy weekend inform this idea of of daily practice? I, I think it's an evolution because I it, for me, for example, I, I used to be a list guy. Mm-hmm. I, I thought oh, I'm a big list guy. You know, I thought ten years ago, five years ago, if you'd asked me how do I manage my day. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I make a to-do list and I, this is something I've always done. I make a to-do list and I have a calendar and, mm-hmm. you know, 
And, and what I've evolved that into now is because I felt like it wasn't working at the, at the, at the time that I sort of, sort of made another change is now I do it in blocks. So for example, I have a list, but I also have my time blocked off every day. So I know that between eight and 10, I'm going to do email and correspondence, whether that's a handwritten thank you notes, email, whatever mm -hmm. it is between eight and 10 in the morning. That's when I'm going to catch up on that. You know, I know between 10 and 12, I'm going to do phone calls, conference calls and meetings, you know, and that, you know, lunch is my walking time or my reading time or my writing time, you know, and, and so I, I block it off so that I know that I, I can accomplish the things that I need to accomplish and get to the important task. So I, I do it a little bit differently, but right. that's an evolution. You know, right. I still have a to-do list, but it's just organized differently. Well, you know, one of the things I keep I, I keep reading about in in like effective journaling and in and in effective um, well in effective task management and time management is you the the to-do list shouldn't be a to-do list. It should be a schedule of timing of things that you need to get done. So, like, if right. you if you right. have to do these things, it's you're it's better to block your schedule and assign each one of them a time frame than it is to just go through the list because one item might take you thirty seconds and the other one might take you three and a half hours, but yet they get the same amount of space in the to do list. Whereas when you schedule them appropriately, you can make more informed decisions about what you can get done in a given day. Right, that's exactly right, and and I think we all have to sort of. As, a, as adults, we all have to figure that out, right? You, mm -hmm. you, you sort of, you, you figure out that system that works for you. Right. Um, but but absolutely, I think it's an all of this is an evolution and, and stuff that, uh, you know, we learn over time is if, if you're conscious of it, if you're trying to improve, if you're trying to work on yourself, right. then these are things that you discover, right? Uh, and, and would you say, I mean, what is the number one daily habit that, that you come, like, how, how do people start with this, with this daily habit concept of, of biting off uh, smaller bites, like what, where, where did you start? Where and where can people start? Uh, I think people can start with the biggest things that they know that are holding them back. I, in my coaching, you know, people often really can identify the the habits that are that are holding them back. Mm -hmm. um, whether that be their focus, whether that being listening to the wrong influences, whether mm -hmm. that be managing their money, or you know. Um, the, the voices in people's heads saying, ah, you didn't do that great. Mm -hmm. You know, pe people know what they need to work on. Um, I, I think generally, you know, right. at least people who are pretty aware of their, of what's going on in their lives. Um, so it's really taking that, that issue, whatever it is, let's, let's say it, it's, uh, listening to the wrong people, right? Having the, when we started, I had the wrong kind of coaches, are the wrong kind of mentors, I should say. Right. You know, we, we were dreaming big and we were talking to people who had always been in small business and who thought that's what we wanted to do. And so we weren't, we never saw eye to eye. And I never really valued much of what they said because we weren't on the same page. And, 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 and it, you know, that, that wasn't a positive experience for me. So, um, I think, if, if I was trying to change that, I would, I would make it a point to find and research the, the people in my community that had done something similar to what I wanted to do, what I was dreaming of, and seek them out and, and, and try to schedule time with them or try to read what they are publishing or try to you know, see if they'll go to coffee uh, with me and I would sit down for a little while to share their experience. So 
it's just, it's a matter of starting and, and right. figuring out the, the 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 things that you want to change, right? Uh, and and then setting aside the time, scheduling that time. Right. In the book, I talk about twenty minutes a day, essentially to to work on that new thing that you want to work on. Uh-huh. And and that's what what I would do. I would schedule that time every day, and then I would set about trying to figure out the small steps I need to take to make that improvement. So so was it's really- not overthinking. It really isn't overthinking, and it's pretty simple. What's really sad is like the first step is 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 do research about where you want to be, and I know that's and I know that's important, and like obviously, obviously, we all know that's important, but so many of us, like you said earlier, we just want to do and we want to and we want to adapt as we do, which is kind of Google's model. But you're but if we don't have Google's capital, we're going to run out of capital pretty soon. Uh, so, you know, I guess the, I don't say the boring answer, but the, the real answer is you kind of got to know where you, you got to talk to people who have been there. So you know where you want to go and, and you can make adjustments accordingly. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, the the biggest things that hold people back, right. Tend to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but like you said, I mean, look, if, if, if you know that you've got to work on five things and it will turn your business around. You know, you, you, the, the easiest way to do all that is to schedule time to make that happen, right? If you've got to learn financial management, find a class at a local community college and learn business management or, you know, business finance 101, right? Right. Um, or sit down with your accountant and, 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 and get recommendations of things to read uh, or take a class online. I mean, right. there are a million ways to do it, right? But you just got to set aside the time to do it. And, and that's the discipline. That's hard. That's a, it's a real hard thing to do. But again, it's, it's, you know, like the schedule we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. you, 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 you've, you've got to find the time to do it. You've got to declutter your life. You've got to get rid of things that aren't important. And that's another, another whole thing that we work on in the book is, uh, getting that laser focus, getting rid of doing the things that are not important, Mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, I, I used to have to leave the office every Wednesday because from nine to five, my day was a disaster, right? I would go in at, at, at eight or eight thirty, And by nine o'clock, everything that I had wanted to do for the day was out the window. I was dealing right. with everybody else's stuff. Well, that's why, that's why so many like big business guys always get up super early so that they can do the things that they want to do before the stuff happens. Right. Right. Like the 5 a.m. club and the 4 a.m. club, like that's that's based on what exactly what you're talking about. This fact that we, so many of us in our jobs are reactive instead of proactive, and so the only time they can have proactive time is, is if they get up early. They get up early and they get out of the office. I used to take every Wednesday and I'd go to Starbucks. And I'd sit in Starbucks all day mm. and and get uh, all my phone calls and emails mm-hmm. and things that were absolutely critical to the business. I'd get those done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started managing my time better early on. I didn't do that. And it was, right. my day was a disaster. I'd get home at midnight and my kids and my family would never have seen me. Right. Um, and, and that's not a way to do it either because that's a, that's a road close. To, I mean, you're getting, you're going to burn out if you do that. Right. Right. And so, uh, it is it, for me, I had to figure out a way or, or work around around that. Um, because if I had kept going down that other way, I never would have grown or the business never would have grown. We never would have gone anywhere if we hadn't thought about what we were doing, how we're right. doing it. And that, that was one of the key, that was one of the key things. 
Yeah, and so okay, so so you're you're talking about like getting rid of a bad habit, creating a new habit. What is the number one bad habit that you see in the people you coach that you have that they have to overcome, or you have to help them overcome? Uh, we talked a little bit about um, about them. Uh, focus is often um, we we love bright and shiny objects, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah. kind of everybody does it. You say that you're ADD, but I feel like society is ADD right now. That's probably true. Um, and, and it's in, and the successful people that I've met and learned and worked with from and who mentor me, they are extremely laser focused. Mm. I mean, they, they manage their time. Well, they mm. know how to say no when they need to say no. They, they just, they know exactly what it is they're focused on and, mm. and all the other stuff doesn't matter and they don't waste their time on it. Mm-hmm. So focus is a, a huge, a huge pr- issue. Uh, again, the wrong influences, uh, managing money. That's, that's, that, that kills most businesses right then and there. And so I spend a lot of time on, um, working with, with entrepreneurs on that, uh, trusting confidence, um, the trust in themselves. Uh, a lot of people who are their, their own worst critic and their mm-hmm. own worst enemy, uh, who, you know, their, their self-talk, I'm actually writing a book on this now, but they're, they're the voices that they talk to themselves with, you know, the, the way they, they talk to themselves, right. how, critical, how critical they are of themselves is really something that people struggle with. And do you think that negative self-talk like that, 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 that has a real psychological effect? Or, oh, or I, I, think, I think so, yes. Just that constant repetition of, oh, I just don't have it. Oh, this is a waste of my time. And eventually, that you you become self fulfilling prophecy. I think so. So do I, from you, go ahead from things I've seen, absolutely, absolutely. So do you think that reversing that is equally self fulfilling? I mean, it's that it's that old adage: whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. I I, I do I do I I mean I use it in my own daily life, and you know I I don't I don't um, let's just say I'm not. Uh, not confident of myself and maybe I'm a little overconfident, mm-hmm. but, but no, I think it does. I think it helps in, in the way you feel and the way you get up and the way you attack things and the mm-hmm. way you go about your daily routine. And, um, and I think that sh- shows that confidence shows, I mean, one of the things about entrepreneurship is right is, is, is confidence. I mean, if you're not confident about what you're doing, your, your team is going to know it. Right. Uh, or, uh, you know, so you've got to be, you've got to be confident. And I think uh, you don't have to always have all the answers. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, and you don't have to be arrogant. I think there's a big difference between having confidence and being arrogant. Right. But, but I do think that it's that a fine way- line too, by the way. And a lot of people become arrogant in order to try to fake confidence. I've seen that. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, that's a whole nother segment probably. But, uh, but I, I do think it helps, and I think that's something that, that I see a lot of is that, that the, the lack of confidence in what they're doing and a lack of confidence in, in, their, in the, the choices that they've made. And, but a lot of times I think that comes from not having a, a personal mission statement mm. and really understanding where you're going. And that's the first chapter in the book, and I think it's just really elemental to me or elementary to me to have that personal mission statement and, and to understand what your values are, where you're going, where you want to be and, and what's important. Yeah. And if you make your decisions in business based on that personal mission statement, mm-hmm. 
then they're aligned. Those two things are aligned. And when you have that alignment, uh, you can do anything, man. You can accomplish anything. Yeah. But, but if those two things aren't aligned, man, it, it, it wreaks havoc. Well, if you have, I've, I've, I've heard this before, and it's been a theme in a lot of the, the people we've talked to and a lot of the books I read is that, you know, if you have mission and purpose, and you alluded to it earlier, like those super focused people, uh, if you have mission and purpose, then you are that much, then setbacks aren't setbacks anymore. They're just rearrangements of, of how you're going to get to your end goal, as opposed right. to if you're just like, oh, I want to, I want to make money. I want to be rich. Like if that's your only goal, then every setback, every failed business attempt is going to just frustrate you. It's not even, and, and, and it's not going to, you're not gonna be able to work around it because you don't actually have a purpose in what you're doing. That's brilliant. That's brilliantly said. Yeah, that, that is spot on. Well, yeah. you know, thank, thanks for saying that. That makes me feel... <laughs> uh, well, well, it's empty, right? I mean, that's a... Right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So what do you... Said it so we talked about the negative side of things, right? This negative self-talk, which I, I actually would like to explore a little bit more uh, how you get rid of that negative self-talk because I think so many of us are driven by an inner critic. How do we stop being driven by that inner critic? Like, what is the first step you tell somebody to do aside from just stop it, to, to stop talking down to themselves. Because I feel like that, that to me, is, is a linchpin for so many people. It is. Uh, number one, I, I do it every morning. Uh, and, and this is the weirdest, uh, probably sounds weird when you, when you talk about it. But, you know, I, I look in the mirror every morning and say to myself, hey, you know, you're going to you're going to have a great day. You're going to accomplish the goals that you set out to accomplish. Stuart Smalley? Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there's some wisdom in, in Stuart yeah. Smalley, you know, and, you know, you deserve to win. You're going to win, um, you know, and, hey, you go out there and get them, Tiger, you know. Uh, I mean, there there is, you know, there is there is something to pumping yourself up for the day, getting ready right. for the day and putting that smile on. And saying, "Go get them," you yeah. Know? And and as silly as that sounds, like when you start your day out as such a positive, like patting yourself on the back and saying, "You're gonna do it," you know, yeah. That that you know, yes, things throw you off and things happen and and you can ha end up having a horrible day, right? Mm -hmm. But nine times out of ten, that that's that's gonna like carry you through the day. And and yes, you have to do it. Throughout the day, there are times when things come up and you're saying, it!" and you find yourself slipping into, you know, something negative happens and you find yourself slipping into it, mm -hmm. but you can turn it around. You know, if you practice it long enough, you find yourself and see yourself when, when those negatives start to creep into your language, mm -hmm. right? You catch yourself, right? You stop right. yourself. Right. If you, if you practice this long enough, you start catching yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can turn that around. But it's it's when you're doing it all the time and it's negative, 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 negative. It starts to feed the negative and everything is negative. Mm -hmm. Right. And so and you start listening to other people be negative and you start accepting that. And so it's uh, when you start saying in the morning to yourself the positive stuff and you start working on, on that on that every day and you do it all day, you start catching that negative. It really can turn things around and, and you can say yeah, that was a setback, but that's okay. I we're gonna move on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's okay. That, and, I mean, that, and that's underscored too by things like I'm a big fan of gratefulness journaling, right? This idea that 
that the more you the more you get yourself in the mindset of what you're grateful for, the more the more positive you're just going to be because you're focused on looking for things to be grateful for as opposed to looking for things to be upset about. Right. And and I tell you what I found is is that people like to be around you when you're positive, right? Yeah. Because they sure. want because they they want some of that. For sure. You're right. <laughs> they want to know where that's coming from. And it makes you a joy to be around and it makes you know, people, I don't say you should be seeking people to, you know, uh, you don't want people to like you, but it's nice to have people like you and, and want to be around you and mm-hmm. to work with you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you what, I'll work with somebody that's happy right. uh, any day versus somebody that's a real unpleasant person to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So we've got this idea that, that you steward smile yourself. And, and that that is going to, that's the first step in turning your, your sort of perspective around and in, in staying positive. Uh, what is the number one thing is yes, that's, that gets you over like the negative self-talk. What is the number one thing that people need to do in your experience? Like they just, everybody's missing this one key thing. Um, I, again, I think it's the personal mission statement mm. because I think from the personal mission statement, which defines your values, mm-hmm. what's important to you, mm-hmm. what your goals are, uh, what you will and will not do. Right. Right. Um, and where you want to go and, and, and how you want to get there. I think if you have that as a, as a basis for who and where you want to go and what you want to do and, and, and you've defined that mm-hmm. as best you can for where you are right now and where you want to be. Um, and, and again, that's a, that's a living document. I think that changes. If you looked at mine over the last 10 years, it's evolved, right? When you have kids that changes your, your yeah. perspective a little bit. And when your you have priority structure, other life events that, that changes things and that's right. okay. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 that's a basis for everything. And then, and then I think that guides you when you try to get alignment with that in your work and family and, and, and stuff. And, and look, there is no, I'll tell you this. There's no work-life balance. I, I don't. I don't believe in that. I think that there's well, alignment. Why not? I think there's alignment. I think. Oh uh, you know, yeah. I didn't have all that early on, and my family life was awful because I never got to see him because I was working 18 hours a day, and my business wasn't going great. My family life wasn't going great. Right. It's because I didn't lose this. I hadn't figured out any of that. Yeah. Right. And so there's just when you're an entrepreneur. Uh, or a, a senior person in a big company or whatever, mm-hmm. you're going to be married to your work, but you've also got to find, you've got to find some, some, you got to sync it up in some way that you can have all that you want and, it, and that it works together. And that's what you, you got to find a way to make it work together. It's never going to be completely balanced. There are going to be times when your family's more important and you've got to spend more time there you know, there's more time, there's times when the business is going to be more important and some of that you have to give some on the family side. And so, you, you know, there, you just have to find that, 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 that equilibrium if, if you can. I don't know that you can always find it, but you got to work on it. You got to continually work on it. Mm. So I think that's important because that, that's, that mission statement helps you do that. It helps yeah. you find all that. And then from there you can start chipping away at the things that, are working against you in that mission. Is there a rubric that you use to define that mission statement? Like, you know, like a worksheet that, that you like, or, or a, like a starting point, you know, some people do like a word cloud where they'll, they'll write down their year and then their start, 
creating this like cloud of words that have to do with their priorities for the year. And, and then from there, they filter it into is, what, what's your method? I've got I've got 13 questions. Oh, 13 questions that that are pretty detailed and require you to, to really think about and evaluate um, your life and where you want to go and where you are. And 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 from that. Uh, you create somewhat of a little bit of a narrative uh, as to what your statement is. Wow. And where can people find those 13 questions? Well, we could post them on your website if you wanted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, don't have them pu- I don't have them published. The, 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 uh, you know, there is a, there's a the way we could maybe figure out how to do that. I don't know. All right. Well, we, we can put a link to them in the show notes and put them up on either uh, your site or ours. And that way I can do that. Yeah, yep. and that way we can put a link, and we can that way people can get access to it. Because I think I think that's important. Like I, I I agree with everything you've said. I just think I feel like there's a little bit of I think everybody kind of knows that if you have purpose, you're more aligned and you're more focused. And if you have positivity, more people want to work with you. But for so many of us, it's hard. The world is a confusing place, and we don't even really we don't know how to figure out what that purpose is, what our end goal is, aside from just, I'd like to have a slightly larger house for more stuff and, and be able to send my kids on vacation when I, and pay for their college. Like, that's not, that's great, but that's not necessarily the kind of aligning purpose that we're talking about that keeps you motivated with an entrepreneurial spirit. And I also think, since I'm waxing philosophical right now, I also think that there's never been a better time or a time when entrepreneurship as a, has been more important because we no longer live in a world where you go to work for a company as soon as you're out of school and then you retire from that company 40 years later. Like that's not, that's just not the world we live in. Everybody is an entrepreneur, whether we like it or not now. And so we kind of have to embrace these principles anyway. Well, right. You, I mean, our father, my, you know, I don't know about yours, but you know, my father worked for the same company for 40 years and got a pension and got health care for life right. and, and all that stuff. And we don't have that. No, nobody and, does. And, and that's scary, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it's also freeing because now you don't have to wonder what if. Like your dad may have wondered, okay, I chose security and safety over something else. But what we've re- what everybody has sort of realized in the last, specifically the last like 11 years since the, since the downturn, but, but really like the last 20 is... There is no certainty. There, that, that is an unsustainable model that, no, that we can't embrace. And so you might as well do something you're passionate about because you, you're, you can get up the river either way. That's right. That's, 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 a, that's a great way to put it. You know, so you, you might as well take the leap, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't have anything to lose. I mean, you can always go back. I mean, my attitude about starting a company was, you know what? I can always go back and get a job because I'm pretty employable, right? Right. I've got some pretty good skills. I'm pretty employable. And and that was sort of the attitude that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was maybe, if you if, if I think about it too much, it might have been reckless because I was making pretty good money. Yeah. But, but you know, it is. It is it, it's a big leap and it's scary. And it, it, it is, um, and I think what you said is true in the sense that um, people don't know quite how to get their heads around mm-hmm. some of these bigger, bigger questions, right? Yeah, that yeah. Purpose and, and what do I really want? What is that really? What, I, it's hard for me to think past next Saturday, much less, you know, when the rent's due next, next week. Right. Um, and I've got to write that rent check and I've got to write my bills and that's going to leave me, you know, a couple hundred dollars in my account till I get paid again. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea of going out and starting a business is like, it, it's, it's terrifying. 
It's terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. who has the time to think about it when you're worried about right. all this other stuff? Right. And and I, it takes a special. I will say this: not everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's cut out to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think for somebody who's really thinking about wanting more, and there's something, you know, what what I always knew was there was that it that that sort of gut feeling that something wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing a job that I actually liked. I thought it was fun. I got to travel. I got to do a lot of things. It afforded me a pretty good lifestyle. But there was something missing. Right. There was that nagging feeling that something was missing. I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know how to get it. But starting a business, when that idea kind of popped up with, with a buddy of mine, and we started talking about it, it sounded pretty cool. Right. And so it was like, okay, well, why not? Right. I mean, and I also think, I think you're kind of hyper focused on the idea of starting uh, because because it's what you do. But I think you're hyper focused on the idea of starting a business. But I think there's a broader point of having an entrepreneurial an entrepreneurial spirit in how you approach every aspect of your life. So, um, like you know, designing your lifestyle so that may mean maintaining employment. That may mean getting employment and a side gig or employment and also having uh, an Etsy business. Whatever that might look like. But right. but you still have to embrace that that I don't you know I don't I don't punch a card and punch out I'm I am the designer of my own life I am I am an entrepreneur of my own business and I am my business whether that means I have a a nine to five job or a forty hour work week or I have a twenty hour work week all of that stuff is is debatable based on on where I land with these thirteen questions but but regardless I am my own business and I have to treat myself accordingly. And 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 yeah. measure the risks of everything. Well, and it's also about at, at what point in your life do you? And, and this happens at different times for different people. What happens in, in your in your life that says, okay, what am I going to do? When do you start thinking about my future? Right. Your you know your broader future. Right. You know what is my life going to be like when I am forty or fifty? Mm-hmm. You know what am I? What based on the choices I'm making now? What is know, my legacy going to be? What is my legacy going to be? How am I going to take care of, you know, when I retire, I, I want to have the lifestyle that my parents had. I want to be able to travel or mm-hmm. I want to be able to do this or that, you know, and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm going to do that by working for XYZ company. Right. So what else am I going to do to get there? Um, and, and I hope that, you know, everybody has that sort of epiphany because, yeah. You know, entrepreneurship and, and working for yourself. As you said, it's not always about working for yourself, but it, you know, when you're when you're creating your own future, it is so so empowering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. I mean, it really, really. It, there, there's nothing else that can describe the feeling of that first time you walk into a Toys R Us or to a Barnes and Noble and see something that you've done on the shelf. Right. 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 It the the power of making that first sale. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you will always remember that. Yeah. That's why so many people put their first dollar that they that their business earns and they frame it and they put up on the wall. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you can have that. Yeah. (laughs) You can have that feeling, that feeling of pride. Um, I know your time is valuable, uh, as per everything we've talked about so far. So, but, but before I let you go, I want to ask you two things. Uh, first off, where can people follow up with you? They can go to retpower.com. Uh, com. They can find the books on the website or they can go to Amazon and find the book. 
and it's called the Entrepreneurship Book of Actions. Mm-hmm. And you can find you can follow me there. You can also follow me on social media uh, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Uh, those are two great platforms for business. And uh, you can certainly message me, direct message me there if you want want more. I want to talk about coaching. Uh, I want to talk about the book. Okay, so links to the books, links to your social, and links to your website are all going to be in the show notes. Plus, we're going to figure out how to get you guys the 13 questions. Uh, if I have to just put them in the show notes, I will. But you guys are going to get a link to those well, 13 questions. Uh, we'll put them up on the site, and we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll make a point to get that done. We got it. And then uh, finally, what is one habit? And we've, we've alluded to this a little bit, but this is the concrete habit that you do every day and you think if everybody did every single day, it would improve their life dramatically. Oh man, that is, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. One key habit, man. One key habit, wake up and talk to yourself in a positive way every day. And that's going to get you, that's going to get you down on a, uh, make you a more positive person. And, uh, it's going to make everything, uh, it's going to make everything better in your life. Doubling down on the Stuart Smalley. I love it. Yep. All right, Fred Power, thank you so much for your time and we you know and and your insight and your coaching. And if anybody else is interested in in getting coached by Rhett or reading his books, again, links to all that stuff in the show notes. And we just appreciate you so much, Rhett. Thanks, Gib. Well, you know me, this is the kind of stuff that that, that I love. I'm 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 the old just give me the three things. Yeah. Give me the two things yeah. I can do today. You know, that's that's great. And this is one of those interviews that we were talking about this before. I was I was saying saying to give you as the as the podcast continues to grow and the popularity of, of, of his interviews, where you know, when I was doing entertainment tonight, you know, hey, God bless him and also the news, all the local news I did. When you do that, it spills out into the carpet and there's yeah. another one to replace yeah. it the next day. It's, it's so great. This is what I love about podcasts, right? When you when you become a curator of all these great tips and these great books and these great uh, great authors, and I love that it's going to be around for a long time. Speaking of curating, if you like this show, please rate, comment, and subscribe, and share it with at least one friend. If you think there's somebody that needs to think like an entrepreneur, then share this episode with them or any episode that we have. It helps us out tremendously. If you want to follow up with us, uh, you can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to follow up with us, check out John on Facebook, facebook.com slash John Tesh. We spend the most of our time there. We do Facebook Lives, post videos, have all kinds of conversations with the fans there. Also, John on Twitter, at John Tesh. On Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Gib Gerard. We try to respond to every request or anything, but most importantly, thanks for listening. 